0: Hey, everybody, this is Petey from the Spinner Rack, and we also have... Calvin Ellis ready to rock. Today... is a very special episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely is. And we're going to talk about the new book from Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if that's what it is. I always mix. I'm always trying to mix that one up. Let's see in Hollywood. Yep. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I always want to say America, but it's once upon a time in Hollywood and he's doing the book to give you some bits that he didn't get to use in the film or else it'd probably be a six to eight hour film, you know, right not to split it in two parts like kill bill. So, um, I think we need a way, but you want to give us, before we get and play anything from this Joe Rogan experience so we can, um, you know, not attack it, but just point out some things. Do you have any thoughts you want to initially say, Kel? Well, one, uh, one. I'm gonna let everyone know right now. I'm, I make no promises as to whether or not this
1: is going to be attacked or not. <laughs> so that's number one. And uh, number two. Uh, well, Joe Rogan is a uh, Joe Rogan is a fighting aficionado, and also a very you know he's a uh, self admittedly a big fan of Bruce Lee. So he has Quentin Tarantino on the show. And they're discussing the scene, uh, the, the uh, scene which created more controversy, I think, than Quentin Tarantino was expecting, as to Bruce Lee fighting uh, this fictionalized Bruce Lee that he has in his movie, fighting the fictionalized bodyguard that Quentin Tarantino created for the film as well.
2: you're t- talking, you're muted, man. When I initially um,
0: heard about it, it was one of those things that I was like, well, I'm hoping he doesn't do it. And it kind of felt like um, this sort of thing where Quentin is kind of, you know, like, you know, this opinion, the idea that he really liked Kung Fu, <laughs> which was originally a Bruce Lee vehicle. And David Carradine, you know, became the guy, and then, of course, who is the Grant, the great master in Kill Bill, but David Carradine. So this is a thread that you can follow. I don't know if it's, you know, it's direct, but you know, there's something there. He's like deciding that, you know, and he says for specific reasons why he's saying what he's saying, which I can't really go along with. But um, we're gonna play this because there's. I wanted to hold off for a little while, but I know. Quentin's gonna say something that's gonna get us in trouble. He's gonna say he's gonna curse in there. And I don't I'm not ready to bleep it yet. So hold on, let's let this Joe
2: Rogan thing go. Another thing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that got controversial was the Bruce Lee scenes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. <laughs> Damn right it was. I'm no, sorry. Felt like you you made Bruce Lee into an asshole. Yeah, well, okay, that's again. Okay.
3: I'm a little hesitant to talk about this because I don't want like this to be the only thing all right? right. that people pull from, from this show. But I figured you were going to bring it up especially because I heard you guys go back and forth on it in a little bit. I mean, where I'm coming from is I can understand his daughter having a problem with it. It's her fucking father. All right. right. I get that. But anybody else, go suck a dick.
0: <laughs> That's what I was worried of—that that part that is too basically to us right now, <laughs> where it's just where we, you know, people have a right to, you know, have well, issues with, with
1: Joe it. got hmm? a problem with it. He's got him on the show, and he's like, "Hey, you got a problem with Joe Rogan? Well, hey, I got something for you. Yeah, get up on this shaft."
0: Well, yeah. it's not like, you know, it has to be, you know, he has, he can't, he can't, I mean, obviously he could Bruce him right, turn Bruce Lee into a verb. <laughs> he could Bruce Lee him you know, like right now and break, but it's like, he you know, he wants him to come back and obviously you have someone on your show you can't. Now, this is going to be very different than um, <laughs> the Bill Maher clip I have, but I'm not sure we're going to play that. But it's like he at least well,
1: you, has you, played, huh? Well, you, you, I understand where I mean because if you had, you would have to have seen some of the stuff that Joe Rogan uh, said before he has Quentin Tarantino on the show, dealing with that particular aspect. And then of course you want Quentin Tarantino to have some freedom to speak. Yeah. You no, know, okay, you know, look, these are what the criticisms are. This is the controversy. What do you have to say about it? And he sums it up with, hey, you know, you know, go over here and go over here and suck one. That's pretty much his. That's his. Nation defense, everything about that scene, which I think summer which I think really summarizes where he was at. He just did it because he wanted to do it. There's no bigger concept or anything of that nature into that scene. And that, for those people who feel it's disrespectful, that's what makes it. Disrespectful. For those people who have an issue with it, that's where the issue comes with it. Because you have no understand. This is not a fictional character. In, when you're doing Bruce Lee. This is somebody who was a living, breathing person. We have, oh man, I, I hate to make it sound like it was that long ago, but we have historical documents, okay? You have firsthand accounts of Bruce Lee, his character, how he interacted with people, his fighting ability, all of that stuff, and you decide, no, I don't want to do that. I, I'm going to come over and create this caricature where I'm going to uh, have Bruce Lee be this fop, this blowhard, this stuff shirt, and then I'm going to have my guy, who's not even real, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, have yeah. him throw him. In, I'm gonna have him throw him into a car. And if you got a problem with that, well, hey, you know, screw you, buddy. In my movie, and I'll do whatever the hell I want. That's where the issue in that. Um, this particular film. I've been an aficionado of Bruce Lee since uh, my uncle was into Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. very much so. Had like a whole wall plastered Bruce Lee images, and then he took uh, these Bruce Lee films when I was really young was a triple feature in those days when you could still, you know, go for a triple feature. We might've sat and saw everything twice, but we were there for, we were there for a while. We came in there. It was light, dark. And I even remember we saw the, it was Fist of Fury. This is at least how they were named at the time. We saw Fist of Fury, Chinese Connection came. Sat through everything. And I was just mesmerized with, you know, with Bruce Lee after that. So I got into him. Um, you know, I read, you know, I read the books that he wrote on a, uh, on, uh what was it a uh, Tao of cheap uh, do he had a book on wing Chun fighting that i read he you know read biographies saw the films you know articles here and there so you know without a doubt I, i'm gonna say that yeah my knowledge of bruce lee you know both in terms of the legendary stuff and the historical stuff is you know pretty sound so when i'm looking at the film and watching him do this i'm like look <laughs> this never happened there was never any scene or anything reported. There's only one story that's even close to this. Okay, there's only one story that's even close to this. And if he had done that, that would have been close to the Bruce Lee's character at the end. Of, at the end of the day, but he decided he just wanted to make something out of whole cloth or whatever his own reasons were. I won't go too much into, that, but you know, he just comes across as an incredible jerk at the end of the day for you know taking this guy. And that's something else where I don't think he understands. He doesn't understand how much of an inspirational figure Bruce Lee is to so many different people for so many different reasons. He was visionary, he was incredibly ahead of his, he was incredibly ahead of his time and beloved by so many people inside and outside of the fighting world. So to see somebody who was given such much reverence and such much respect, and your idea is like, yeah, he might as well be some, you know, bathroom paper. I can just fling him, you know, any particular use and you had no foundation for it, other than the fact that, hey, I just wanna do this, You know, I just wanna do this, then yeah, people are gonna have issues with it and you can't dismiss it with the simple, go suck some, go suck some.
0: Yeah, so let's um, play a little more.
3: <laughs> you know, and the thing about it though is like, you know, even if you just look at it, it's obvious Cliff tricked him that's how he was able to do it. He tricked them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it, 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 it's explained more in the book. But the thing is, like, they do, they do a, they do a, a three fall, a, a two falls out of three contest.
1: Mm-hmm. So no, they don't
3: I love shit like that. You know, uh, uh he, and he has a method. And his method is to give the guy the first fall. <laughs> okay, do your fucking move, dude. Right? Let me see your move. All right, and he gives him no resistance whatsoever. The guy does the move, he knocks him on his ass. And Cliff, and there's, there's like four different ways Bruce could have come at him the second time that Cliff wouldn't, would, would have had very little defense against. But most of the time, if, if a, a guy has a particular move and it looks like the guy's a lunkhead, just a big mouth, who can't really defend himself, they do the second move again. I mean, they, they do the first move again, mm-hmm. second time. Well, now Cliff knows what it is, so he prepares for it. He pivots, <laughs> he catches him, he throws his ass into the car. Right. You know, and now the third time will be the charm, and he gets broken up. But he just tricked him, and Bruce realized he got tricked. If, if, if Cliff hadn't been so, so the, vicious,
0: the battle, the sort of mixing it up, is the third, or is the hit to the hit Bruce getting hit the end of the the fight of this portion, like he's turned it in. I mean, I guess he's writing. A lot of times, <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of times it's like one of those things where There's no two out of three. There's well, it's no more like, he, it's, more like the, um, it's more like he's interpreting what he wrote in the book or stuff that's in his head about this to kind of explain it when it's just like there's a fall, there's a, you know, what's the name? And then there's a long fight that looks like, you know, Bruce Lee is in trouble. And then, of course, whether we believe it's a um, two, you know, two out of three, we have, um, you know, we have the stunt coordinator. She comes out and who's kicking Bruce a- is behind. That's what she comes out and says. So I mean, that's that's it. That that's what that's what prints. What bleed if it bleeds, it bleeds. You don't have. That's what people saw. So.
1: It's all malarkey. Bottom line is he created this character and his character was going to beat everybody up, even if it was Bruce Lee. Hey, you know, it'd be really cool if we had your character fling around Bruce Lee, you know, you become, what's that a trophy, the wharf effect. We're going to show how tough and cool you are by flinging Bruce Lee into this car. Now, mind you, you don't exist. You have no rep, no bully, no reputation whatsoever, but we're going to take this guy who definitely does have one and hey, just toss him through the side again. It's a, Again, this is just some Tarantino nonsense. Nobody who's ever fought, okay, approaches anything of that nature. okay, I'm going to take the first move. The first move could be the last move, right? This guy comes over here, kicks you in the chest. That could be it. I'm going to take the first move at the end of the day. But you can do that in a fictional world. In a fictional world, you can come over, I'm going to take the first punch and then look at him and say, oh, my turn. Yeah, that's great in a movie at the end of the day. And that's where he was, that was his approach to it. I mean, hey, look—the explanation that he's given is just is just malarkey. You wanted to have a film where you flung Bruce Lee, okay, into this car. You should just say, "Hey, I did it because I wanted to fling him into this car." There's no two out of three falls. You go in print. You got your guy beating him up. You just don't have anything. You didn't have you didn't have any respect for Bruce Lee, okay? And you decided that he was fodder for your film, and that's what you, you
0: did. Well, um, I think as we go along here, he's going to, because Joe Rogan has brought up the great Gene LaBelle and saying this is kind of what this Cliff guy is kind of based on. But, um, you know, he he looks like um, Brad Pitt in the movie. (laughs) So it's a little different from this guy who's like built like a truck and.
1: Mm-hmm. All accounts, I've never seen a picture of Gene LaBelle, but all the accounts that I'm hearing of Gene LaBelle is that he was like a or something that he, he was just a really big guy. Mm-hmm. And not only was he a big guy, but he was practicing judo that, you know, that that's just two things that you don't really want to mess with. For me, foundationally judo, you know, most people, even people who haven't practiced it, most people know that judo is about what? Using the other guy's strength and holds and locks. If you study judo, one of the first things that you learn is how to fall because you're taking this to the ground.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're taking this to the ground at the end of the day, and it's it's great in certain aspects. You know, you got a guy who's big and he's strong and he knows how to do judo. Oh, that's you know that's a big mess at the end of the day. It's not something that you don't want to grapple with. And You can keep at a distance, great. But then if he's strong, well, that's me getting too much. But you know, on all there was this there was one account with Bruce Lee and uh, Jim LaBelle, where I forget exactly how it happens, but I think Jim LaBelle, somehow he's a Bruce Lee and he's running around with him on his back. And, you know, Bruce Lee is screaming, like, you know, put me down, put me down right now. And, you know, Jim LaBelle's not listening to him. He's like, hey, if I put you down, you know, Bruce Lee is like telling him, put me down right now, or, you know, I'm going to knock you out. He says, well, then I'm not going to put you down. If I you're going to knock you down. So he's just having fun with him at the end of the game, finally puts him down. And you know, he you know he backs off. He's like, no, no, sorry about the whole thing. You know, didn't mean to make you upset. But Bruce Lee also looked at the whole situation and said for all of the fighting that he was doing, he he had nothing to combat that situation mm-hmm. that he was getting, he got into with Jim There was nothing that he had within his repertoire that would have allowed him to get out of it. So and because you know, and because of that, you know, he actually approached Jim Bell and was like, look, you know, show me what you know, this is but this is his standard Bruce Lee stuff. Bruce Lee, and it's on record, he lost fights to people. And if he lost fights, he asked people, look, what was the move that you used to beat me? Show me what you used to beat me. You know, those types of so he, can, so he can incorporate it to his own style because he was this guy who was supremely confident in his abilities, okay? but he also realized that his abilities were limited. And if he saw something that he said, hey, this was something that, you know, countered everything that I've been working on. I want to learn this so I can make certain I can counter it, I can incorporate it And this is something that he would learn. I mean, at the time with Gene LaPelle, he wasn't even doing anything with Judo at that time, but you'll get to see some of those moves that he does with Judo, like in Game of Death. When he gets to that second level of the Pagoda and he's using the locks, he's doing the floor fighting, he's doing some floor fighting with the guy. You know, those are things that he had learned. So that might be a story he does that. You have to do the whole thing. It shows that, uh, yeah, Bruce could be cocky. He could definitely be arrogant, but... He also recognized that if somebody knew something that he didn't and it could make him a better fighter. He can humble himself and say, look, show me what it is that you show me what it is that you just did on me. I want to learn that.
0: So he's gonna get into a little bit of that. And he's gonna do his explanation of how the Gene Labelle Tarantino thing, which is Joe Rogan's never brought up in any of the stuff that he said about this. So even appreciated it. Do you know
2: about the history of? Uh, oh yeah, Bruce Jane, and Gene Gene Yeah, of course. Did you research that? before? Yeah,
0: well, I,
3: I've always known it and everything. Right. And like, well, the stuntmen hated Bruce.
2: Really? On on uh,
3: on uh, on uh, Green Hornet. No, it's in the it's in Matthew Polly's book. And before that, I, it's always been known. That's why Gene LaBelle was brought on to teach Bruce respect for American stuntmen. Bruce had nothing but disrespect for stuntmen, really? and he was always hitting them. He was always hitting them with his feet. He was always tagging. It's called tagging. Mm. Uh, when you when you hit a stuntman for real. And he was always tagging him with his feet, and he was always tagging him with his fist. and they and they and they got to be the point where like, no, I refuse to work with him. Really? And he had nothing but disrespect for American stuntmen.
0: So I would like to add, so then Gene LaBelle came, became someone who Bruce tossed around in in on the show all the time. So what <laughs> if this is the answer like bringing in the hero gene labelle to like there's videos of him just tossing gene labelle around because he's a man. that's well, what they do how, is, a- how do you bring in this hero this guy who probably weighed more could possibly beat bruce lee up and all they do is work together and they become friends like <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous
1: because it's malarkey he didn't do any damn research Mm-hmm. The, the scenes with the, one of the things that Gene LaBelle, and this is established, did teach Bruce Lee was how to stage a fight for the camera. That was something that he hadn't done. He had done, I mean, he had been acting since he was a kid, but he hadn't really done any fighting. He up the and they were like, okay, this is how you stage it from the camera. Was it true that Bruce Lee was hard on Stuntmen? Yes, but what you also, what he doesn't say is that Bruce Lee, and this was people who fought with him, Bruce Lee, everybody hands down said this was remarkably fast. He was very fast. And so having to slow down okay, enough so he wasn't tagging as uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino was saying, it's something that he did have to learn. And they could bring in Gene the Gene LaBelle, big guy, tough guy. He was someone that if he got tagged, it wasn't that big of a, you know, it wasn't gonna be that big of a kill for him. Everything could going forward. He's like, I mean, it, it, it's not even a half truth. At the end of the day, and it's it's not something that you can't find about with just a little bit of research. As opposed, you know, as for him coming on the show, that bit about no respect for American stuntmen—that sounds incredible. I don't want to go that far, at least not yet. But Bruce Lee—it's it, documented that Bruce Lee gave stuntmen, be it American stuntmen, the stuntmen he worked with in Thailand, the stuntmen he worked with in Hong Kong. These guys had to really work, and I, I don't think he understands it either. Bruce Lee was an exceptional martial artist. He was an exceptional martial artist. So if you were a stuntman working with him, this guy really, really pushed himself. You were gonna have to be working with him. You were going to have to be at a certain level in order to do the stuff, or you were gonna get tagged, or you were gonna be frustrated. He wanted it to look real. He wanted it to look authentic. And you were gonna have to really raise your game at that point. The only thing that I, can, I mean, the only part that's even somewhat true, is that yeah, a lot of the stuntmen did get tagged, but this was also, that was also where he was at the point where this was not, he, he wasn't fighting on film before.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: so that was something that he did have to learn. So yeah, they got tagged. Was it malicious? None of these guys come out and say it was malicious. None of these, the only person who was coming out and saying this is Quentin Tarantino. You know, well, Gene, Gene Bow doesn't say it. None of the other stuntmen are coming out and saying, yeah, he was being a jerk and tagging us on purpose he was doing this, and thank God Gene LeVeux came in to save American stuntmen. You know, th- n- nobody wants to say that except him.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, one of the, um, well, Jackie Chan talks about him being, Bruce Lee being intense, and him initially being kind of like, I'm not necessarily with it, but he started to see the method in his madness. And there's something that Bruce said that kind of you know, kind of set him on, like, not set him on his way, but said, all right, I kind of got legs in this game. So it's like, you can take someone that's intense and be like, this guy is that. But when you see, like, they're trying to show these videos where he was talking that, oh, someone should kick his behind. That's basically what twin Tarantino is saying. Whereas you have someone like Jackie Chan, that's the thing. I'm using Jackie Chan, you know, like saying that this guy's intense. And then at the same time saying, hey, I learned from it. And then I took it on to my to what what I was doing, you know, is something of saying that, yeah, you know, in this thing, it should be a time of thicker skin, because that's how people were in every field. It's like kind of a tough thing. And then at the same time, you know, I think the the person, the actor who played the Green Hornet also said it wasn't just tagging the not really tagging them, but he would come up to the actors and the next day you walk in and then fists. <laughs> right in your face. So it'd be like that because he's also a ball of energy. He's trying things, he's testing out things, testing his speed on set. And there's nothing, it's like a comedian on the set of uh, you know, on the set of a movie when you say cut and you're sitting around there. Like you have like Robin Williams, he's as serious as person as possible. The next you know, he's turning over to De Niro, cracking him up. He's like, all right, action. Then he's serious again. It's like that sort of thing. It's like so much time in between takes it's just like, what are you going to do? Keep himself energized, keep himself motivated. And that's the thing. The other thing is that, whereas even if people felt that way, you're not supposed to upset the thoroughbreds. You keep them doing whatever they do, because when it comes on film, he stays in, as energetic and doing everything he does. When he gets on there, next thing you know, you're you like, wow, that turned into a great scene here. Instead of saying, oh, we're going to work again? All right, I'm going to muster up some strength and do this. Where, <laughs> You know but it's it's a lot of things to put in put into play and ultimately since Bruce is not here to defend himself why take out his um you know it's like I mean it's like treating it's, it feels like he would treat Elvis better than he would do Bruce Lee in this case so well, you know, I think it's
1: Bruce Lee doesn't
0: have to defend himself sorry say that again you would do it muffled
1: I said Bruce Lee doesn't have to defend himself because it's all on record mm-hmm. it's all on record nothing and, you know, saying holds up under any sort of scrutiny if you do just the slightest bit of research. Bruce Lee is like, oh. He's like one of these cats like Hendrix, you know, or Elvis or Tupac or James Brown, where he interacted with a lot of players. He interacted with a whole bunch of people. Everybody's got a Bruce Lee story. You know, it's just like you, and he was like he was saying. But he wasn't just like that with, you know, he was on set. He would go places, he would like, do games with the kids, like, here, I'm going to put this penny in my hand, see if you can snatch it, you know, before I close my hand. And they incorporate that into Kung Fu. That must have been a great scene for him to watch. But he would go, you know, he would do the same thing. He'd come over, throw a kick, and see, you know, right in front of your face, that sort of thing. And, you know, but he did that with everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: it was so widespread that you would have had a definite groundswell, like, yeah, 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 he that ain't nobody says any of that type of stuff. Nobody says that because that was a part of his character. It wasn't coming from a malicious place. It wasn't coming, you know. It wasn't coming from any place that was trying to do somebody harm. You you have these. You have you know the stories. They said Bruce was if you full of energy, man could sit still. If he did sit still, he always had one leg movement or something. You know, along that he would just break out into doing push-ups. And so you know, it's not an apology, you know, for Bruce Lee as a person. But that was his character. That was his character at the end of the day. And if you actually wanted to understand his character so you could put him in the film and give something that the people could have enjoyed, I mean, I mean, you could have done something. Um, one of the simplest stories is, mm-hmm. I forget who the actor was who played the Green Hornet, but they used to Indian wrestle. And the guy who played the Green Hornet, he would always win. He would always win. And Bruce Lee would challenge him all the time. And Bruce Lee would lose all the time. And, you know, he just said, look, you're not gonna win. He's like, I grew up on a ranch, you know, you know, herding cattle and that type of stuff. I got really big forearms. I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you. It's just not gonna happen. You know, and Bruce would be really frustrated with the whole thing. But that right there is a legitimate story. But even then, if that's the only story that you wanna incorporate into this, it's just that you just wanna show Bruce, you wanna humble him for whatever reason. You don't wanna, sh- you're spending the rest of the film showing all of these other historical characters you know, in more of a three, more of a three-dimensional, rounded view. For Bruce Lee, you just want to humble him for the film. He was just a blowhard. There's no way some little five foot seven guy can come over here and beat these guys up. Oh, well, you can if it's a movie. You yeah. can if it's a movie, and it's my movie. David Harradine gets kung fu. He magically becomes half Chinese. Why? Because it's fiction. You know, so it's my movie. I get to win, like like all the other cowboys at the end of the day. So mm. well,
0: that's the thing that, kinda, that gets kind of lost as they go along. Because people don't really understand how the idea that you're the lead, you're the star, and you're almost the, you know, lead fight choreographer. And then saying, well, why, you know, like like Chuck Norris saying, you know, you just want to have me in a movie to beat, beat me up. And it's like, at the same time, you know that you're going to have a career after this. Because you have the skills and they're like, well, we need, you know, like they like say to Michael Jai, no, they call Michael Jai White from time to time and they say, hey, we need a white you. And he sends them guys. <laughs> He's like, you know, I hate you. Like, I don't like you saying that. And he'd send them the guys that he knew that, you know, white dudes that, you know, like had abilities like him. And that sort of thing you you're in this thing. You could see the lineage of every sort of, you know, uh, like um, martial artists moving from doing uh, doing a bit thing where they're getting beat up and the next thing you know they're doing their own movies you know and then if it's successful enough you got you got a series you know so it's like one of the things where it's like you can't always look at it and say wow this guy he does this movie and it's like what else are you supposed to do that's what movies are they are these things but it's just like hey this jerk he he decided to let himself no he's also thinking about how to fight but let's finish this off only got a couple minutes. I think there's only one
2: other bit in here. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder what that was about. I wonder what his perspective would have been if he, somebody asked him to explain it. See, <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, oh, they're just not
3: good enough. They're, they're pussies. See, mm.
0: he stepped over and he's about grin.
3: Okay.
2: So <laughs> he just came to, to make it look real. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But they don't like that.
2: No, <laughs> that's no. unprofessional. Well that is unprofessional but that's been done before in a bunch of movies by people that people th- say are assholes. Yeah,
3: and but, yeah and well and 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 um you know and actually somebody else who had a reputation pretty similar to Bruce Lee's in that regards was like Robert Conrad. Oh yeah. During that time, yeah. And you know he did a lot of his own stunts and he did some really really gnarly shit but if you and I've always been a big fan of Robert Conrad. But you know in the stunt community he was known as Robert never met a stunt man he couldn't blame. Conrad mm. the stunt world is oh, a he's fighting for the stunt stunt man. because they're the people that occasionally die making movies yeah huh? absolutely which is just nuts and, and look and the thing about it is also
0: cliff is a hand-to-hand combat killer cliff is not real he is all right i'm done with this i can't do it no more he all right i get it and i get it <laughs> i we we both at times, you know, fancy ourselves as writers. And at times, you feel that the characters write themselves. But at the same time, they're not, Cliff is not real. <laughs> Stop talking about Cliff. Tell us about your process. He's not a real guy. He's, well,
1: Cliff, uh, he's a Cliff fantasy. Isn't, Cliff isn't a real guy. And even if Cliff was a hand-to-hand combat guy, OK, killer, He's not in a situation where he needs to kill this dude over there. According to you, it's
0: two or three falls, right? According to him, he needs a job. Like, it's the that's the fantasy about it. It's like, this guy needs a job. You know what I'm going to do? Beat up Bruce Lee. Like, the how is that going to get you the job? Like, how is that?
1: He doesn't, the whole thing is that, you know, it's obvious why he wrote what he wrote. But he has no understanding of fighting, okay? You, you step into a ring, that's a different fight than you're fighting on the street. Okay, you, you fight on the street, that's a different, you know, That's a different, fight. you know. depending on, you know, you don't want to have a fight in a train station or a bathroom. This is something that fighters understand like, no, those are two places you avoid, you know, these things never gonna get, these things are never gonna be done. A real fighter understands, okay, if I do have to get into a street fight, what am I using? I'm gonna use my palms, I'm using my forearms, I'm not using my knees, my elbows or my hands, because I'm trying not to get hit. I headbutt somebody like in the movies or something, these are guys who understand that. So you're taking this character who supposedly is a trained killer, okay, who supposedly is a trained killer, and he doesn't understand. This is supposed to be two or three falls, and he doesn't understand an exhibition. He, this dude could lose an exhibition because the only way he, you could definitely beat this guy. I don't know how to, to hold it back, okay? This guy's going to come over here, throw a kick at me. I'm going to try to ram cartilage of his, the cartilage into his brain, you know, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But you can, you know, you can lose in that type of situation. Just because you're a killer doesn't mean you win every fight. That, you know, that would be part of it. And then the other thing is that you created this character so you could have this ending in that film that you wanted. You needed some guy who was Batman. You know, that's who you were creating at the end of the day. And you go through the film showing him, you know, leaping up on the roofs and, you know, playing uh, Bruce Lee into a car because you wanted that particular and you wanted that particular end. you wanted to show how tough this guy is but he's not real as you just said he's not real mm-hmm. Bruce Lee okay was a real living person who could fight okay who could fight who understood fighting and you could have if you wanted to if you wanted to use some story if you wanted to use some stories you know that were about Bruce and come in here simply because you wanted to humble them. You could have at least used a genuine story rather than concocting this non- concocting this nonsense, and explain it away by disrespectful stuntmen or no disrespect American stunt. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah, that's, that's, that's the part, That's the problem with what he said is that part.
1: American stuntman, which for me is just called disrespectful white stuntmen at the end of the day, I get to beat up on these guys. Well, here, this is gonna be the revenge. This is gonna be the revenge for the white stuntman or the white man, and I'm gonna throw this little Chinese guy over here into the park. That's the way it comes across to me. I'm listening to it because Bruce Lee was hard on stuntmen, period, okay? And part of the reason is that, again, if you you look at the fight scenes from the 50s to the 60s, it was throw a punch, block, hit the guy. That was, you know, so you go to a stunt guy, and you're like, no, let's let's uh, try something different. Let's speed it up. Okay, try to block this, try to block that. Of course this guy is going to be angry with you. He's like, hey, you're making me work. You know, I usually just come in here and do this at the end No doubt. He goes to Hong Kong, you know, to do the films over there. He's got all this friction with the director, with the other stunt people. They're like, why, you know, come on, it's not real. Why are you taking it so seriously? Why are you so intense? But he already was able to take stuff he had learned from Hollywood and say, no, this is how it's going to look on film. You know, so if we do it your way, okay, you know, it's one thing, but if we do this, it's gonna be more dynamic, it's gonna look real, it's gonna look like this person actually got hit as opposed to it just being set up and set up stage. So that has, you know, you gotta take that into account, okay, otherwise it just looks like he was just, I mean, you have the actor who's, you know, the guy who just like, I don't care about these dudes, they're just here, you know, they're just hotter I'm the reason why I'm here, but that wasn't, that wasn't the case, but that's, it out. Know, that's the way he's making it out to be at the end of the day. And you know, he's on he's uh, it's and he's on Joe Rogan. You can, you know, you he's on Joe Rogan. <laughs> he's on Joe Rogan at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Joe Rogan is a, you know, you w- must know something about him before you get on the show that he's into fighting. Okay, that he does know that he does know about fighting, that this is gonna be a question that you're gonna have And the best that he can do to explain all this is about, well, you know, American stuntman, uh Jean LaBelle and pretty much go suck, you know, go, go suck one at the end of the day. It was just, you know, just a bad scene. It's just a bad scene in your film. And incredibly, yeah, just incredibly disrespectful to, incredibly disrespectful to the legacy of Bruce Lee. And incredibly disrespectful to all of those aficionados that he's inspired. Because those of us, you know, who are aficionados, we know the actual history and the legacy of Bruce Lee. But when you see something like this, Okay, when you see something like this, yes, it is gonna get your back up. It was like another Bruce Lee film that came out. This is a a dramatization of him fighting Wong Jack Man. And historically the fight between him and Wong Jack Man was like about five minutes and it ended with Bruce chasing him around the room, punching him in the head or something of that nature fight that they had in the movie had these guys jumping down like 30 feet floating to the ground and you know doing all that you know gung-fu stuff at the end of the day and I fell out laughing watching it because I was positive if, if Bruce Lee was living and they went to him he's like is that how the fight happened and he would go oh no way in hell did the fight happen like that but I like this one better I look great here <laughs> and I look great this is no good. Hey, let me see more of that you know that type of stuff you know, when you're doing that type of stuff, that type of dramatization, and so on and so forth, okay, you can easily take issue. You can easily take issue with that. But the idea of that fight was that it was supposed to inspire Bruce to move on, and to refine his own style, and to go forward with a lot of the things that would make his legacy so concrete with this right now in the future. So I could take those things where they're just really blown out of proportion. Like, this didn't happen. Cover, but it still stayed true. It still stayed true to his character, you know, the individual that he was throughout the film, at least for the most part. It stayed true to that. This over here, they just got, I mean, literally, they just say, hey, look, you know, get the first Chinese guy who's willing to come over here and do this. Can you act a little bit? Yeah. Are you willing to be thrown into a car? Yeah. Great, buddy. The Bruce.
0: Lee. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, I was going to play, instead of the clip I was originally planning to play, this, I think, someone put together of Joe Rogan of him talking about what I feel what happened is that um, he decided to, when he took on taking Bruce Lee, instead of, like you were saying about that other fight that Bruce had, he would take another martial artist story with Gene LaBelle and just put Bruce into place because it's about disrespecting someone, take, looking at someone saying, hey, you, you know, I could do X, Y, Z to you, and he can't. That's the point of the story. It's not about two or three faults. It's about someone saying being arrogant and saying, "I look looking at, at you, sizing him up, even though he's taller, and say I could do X, Y, Z to you, and not being able to do it." And this this thing is going to get into a little bit other stuff, but it's going to lead to a, a embarrassing moment for this um, famous martial artist.
2: Yeah. people love to make up shit I was reading up uh, all the shit that Steven Seagal's made up all through his career because there's a whole thing going on right now where Steven Seagal uh, told uh, everybody that Anderson Silva he taught Anderson that kid right which is kind of what he's supposed to do right? right I mean he's there's videos of him training with Anderson well fuck it Anderson barely even speaks English yeah. just run around tell everybody <laughs> that you taught him it and you know what Anderson's so cool he'll probably be like yeah yeah he taught me he's a good guy I it's always Steven thought Seagal. that was just a, him playing a goof <laughs> Yeah, and Did he do a little wing chong and the... Well, he always does that. He'll do a little, like, moving the hands funny, and he's just letting you yeah. know he's ready to fucking explode in your face. Ready to, to kick yeah. you in the chin. Yeah, that was a ridiculous fight. That was ridiculous. But, Is he uh, really saying that? Is he really saying that he's the one that taught him? Yeah, Steven Seagal's really saying that Boss Rutan went fucking crazy. And Boss Rutan, I'm going to go do an, an advertisement for his gym. So I'm going to try to get him on the podcast too, because Boss Rutan will have nice. some fucking amazing stories of brawls in Holland. He's just a savage. I love Boss Rutan. Yeah. But Boss went crazy on Twitter. And he's like, you know, what planet is he from? Did he learn this from fucking Disneyland? He's like, Boss Rutan's going crazy on Twitter. He's, he's angry at Steven I Seagal. Heard a, I heard an unverified story <laughs> about uh, when Gene LaBelle and Steven Seagal had a. Yeah, so this is it.
0: See, we've established the a-hole part. That's the a-hole part of Bruce that's early in the film, first part of the the scene. And then we get to this part where he challenges the... the guy, he doesn't know anything about. I heard a, I
2: heard an unverified story about uh, when Gene LaBelle and Steven Seagal had a yeah, that's a true story, incident. that's yeah. an absolute true yeah. story. Gene, Gene LaBelle told me that story. Yeah, Gene tells you like this, he doesn't actually tell you those stories. Well, you know, Steven was trying to say that no one could joke him out, you can't joke him out, he had this move this move stop you from choking out so you know I was all right steven <laughs> let's try it i get him in a the headlock there i get him in the rear naked and uh he takes this hand the free hand and then he just karate chops me right and you know the old sisters and there's like, you know, the way Gene Bell talks, right. he wouldn't even say his balls. He's like the nicest guy ever. He would say something like, right in the old Johnson. You know? And then, uh, well, and then I guess he got tired after doing that and he just fell asleep. <laughs> I guess uh, maybe he forgot to go to the bathroom. So he went to the bathroom then. Oh, no, that's hilarious. <laughs> Holy and if you know Gene LaBelle, Gene LaBelle is like, uh, first of all, he was like one of the original mixed martial artists. He's a, a judo guy that had cage fights, or it wasn't a cage. It was a, you know, um, uh basically a mixed rules fight where he fought a boxer you know he fought a boxer with his judo gi on and took the boxer down and beat his ass Mm -hmm. you know gene was like he's like the guy that taught bruce lee about grappling you know bruce lee back in the day thought you could just karate kick everybody in the head and that would that was the shit. you know and bruce lee actually worked on a lot of like more effective things like leg kicks and short-range techniques wing chung and boxing punches and stuff like that but he really wasn't aware about grappling until he hooked up with gene And Gene LaBelle's a fucking gorilla. He's yeah. just, you know, a national champion judo player. And he's just so fucking ridiculously strong. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he grabbed that little 135 pound Chinese man yeah. and had him fucking shit in his pants going, okay, now we learn grapple. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? You had, <laughs> you had to <laughs> learn grappling after <laughs> you yeah. fucked around with Gene LaBelle.
0: So yeah, That's just, that using that Stevenson gal mm-hmm. bit is kind of what I wanted to say. Using, like, you know, because he's making up a story. So how do you make this more interesting instead of having some ground fight? Because that's what it's supposed to be, right? That's what you know the best is the the most dangerous stunt person in the world. That's basically what um, Chuck Norris talks about when he first comes to a school and says, "Hey, I I got to choke you out," and this because you can't learn this until I show you this. So it's like that's what it is. Ultimately, you have to you know like he's you know glamorizing and making it more, you know, no, he's making, you know, he's just taking away. As you said, he's taking away from Bruce's mystique by using this, this lame character that's supposed to be a stuntman. The job of the stuntman is not to, all right, I'm going to secretly beat you up and kill your chances of getting a job. That's what made the thing a really a once upon a time. It's like, this is a total fantasy. Like, how do you it, try? You know, he's out of work. Somehow you respect the other pretentious actor, the white dude, and then you're going for a job and you're like, I can't take this Asian guy yapping. So I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat his ass now. So it's like, look at this kind of a split where he can't get any work. And he's like working with another actor who they portray in Bruce as pretentious and total arrogant asshole. And I um, you know what? I'm going to just beat this guy when it seems like he can be. Humble, while this other guy is saying, "Hey, you know, I can't, you know, I can't do anything for you. I can't give you this job, and you know, thanks for being there for me. But you know, this, this is kind of it. You know, and that's the other thing. And They're not going to hire me for anything, you know, any more action sort of thing. So you're out, bro. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take that on the chin. It's like my other job. No, I'm not going to do this. Oh, so, because he has a history of being a stuntman that beats people up." Yeah, this is a total fantasy. <laughs> There's an incident, a secret incident that we don't know about, which I guess you can find. This will plug the book a little. You'll find out later that why he um, doesn't have a regular, but he's already has this bad history, and um, he, you know, they kind of kind of sneak him in. So anyway. No, I just want to play that bit. It, feel, it felt like a Hollywood thing to take a, you know, something where, he, you know, the character with a real person took down the famous person that everyone hates. And,
1: um, yeah, but nobody hates Bruce Lee.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. So that, that's like, the
1: problem. You're coming into this and you're like, okay, let me use this guy. You know, who's a jerk I can use? Oh, you know what? I'll use Bruce Lee. You know, this is perfect because he hated stuntman. But this, and yeah. Okay, where's your corresponding evidence for that? Oh, it was in this book. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's your interpretation That's your interpretation of what's going on. And if it's based on Gene LaBelle, Gene LaBelle didn't say that. Gene LaBelle has, like, you know, it, you go and find, like, the stuff where he talks about him. Ah, oh, man. It, it's like you would have to, like, really, 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 really dig, you know, to get somebody to, to say something about Bruce Lee that would fit the, uh, the caricature of that film that you would want. And I mean, you'd have to really dig for that. And then you'd have to ignore the, like the ninety nine percent of the other testimonials are like yeah you know no you know but no 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 that was all energy is sure a prankster yeah without a doubt Hockey, arrogant yeah but the jerk no, that's not that's not the case. You gotta ignore all of that. You can get to the uh, the, the final destination that you want in terms of that scene and how you can portray his character. It's just, I mean because I I know at that time, where this would have been this is like around Green Hornet time. I mean, Bruce Lee had learned wing chun, but he had also learned he had he was all he had also won like a boxing tournament mm-hmm. when he was still back in when he was still back in Hong Kong. So he did know how to box. He did know how to box as well, and that was one of the things that made him because he was already mixing style at that time. And that was one of the things that had made him harder to beat with a lot of the guys that he initially first. Then he's meeting other guys because at the same time you have all these GIs who are back in Japan. That's where they're learning judo mm-hmm. or being introduced to it at that point. And the big thing going across the state wasn't, but you know, karate. that's what everybody was doing. So, you know, he's coming over here and this is a system that he's not necessarily, you know, he, he's not necessarily familiar with. So this, you know, with judo, yeah, you got traps, locks, you know, and with the uh, the because you have just some really hard, fast, you know, punches, blocks, everything. turns you know, i remember like one of the first times i fought this dude who was like really in the you know karate and you think of movies or something and i threw a punch and the guy blocked and it, like, my whole arm went numb because even the even the blocks hurt you know that type of stuff and he was like oh my you know goodness you know it wasn't what i was expecting at all but this is where this is he's still like a few years away from you know, and like all the stuff that he would have, uh, that he was going to learn and apply later. So I'm looking at it at that situation right there. But even then, he wouldn't have gone over. He wouldn't have gone over there, and kicked, the dude in the chest. and if he did kick the dude in the chest, okay, that probably would have been the end of the day. Because historically, Bruce Lee, even though he was five seven, this was a guy who was still very, very strong for his size. Mm-hmm. This was a guy who could he could curl 80 pound dumbbells. He was working out with a 300 pound heavy bag. You know, he was very fit, very strong, but he also wasn't going to go in there and say, Well, look, I'm going to do all this, blah, blah, blah. He set them up for stuff that he knew that he could win. He wasn't going to come over here and, like, six foot, you know, heavier than me. I'm going to come over and do this. He's like, No, why don't you try to hit me? And he knew they would never be able to hit him because he was too thick. I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm going to punch and I'm going to punch. Right at your nose, and as fast as I throw it, you're not going to be able to block. Count with me: one, two, three. I'm going to throw it on three. On three, I'm going to throw the punch, and you're still not going to be able to block. It. And he would do it all the time. I've done that because I understand the the, uh, the technique behind it to the point where you can throw that. So he would have set him up in that way if he wanted to do it. Those are things that you could have put into the. Those are things you could have put into the film, but the idea was never, the idea was never to show any of that. It was just, you know, just to belittle Bruce.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, so before we get out of here, so this is the book that he's putting out here for Once Upon a Time, Hollywood novel by Quentin Tarantino. Ultimately, as far as always with the movie making itself, there's always something interesting in there, but I think, um, for me, it's sort of the middle part of the movie when she goes, when um, Cliff goes to the ranch with actors. And the other thing is kind of weird how it's shot because it's shot not like a, it's shot like it's a film, like it's actual film, but we're on a TV set, right? So in a T or a movie set or whatever it is, there's just tons of lights and stuff like that in front of it, so it's like. It's kind of jumping in between reality and fiction. And that's one of the hard things for me with things where it's like, do I need to turn off my my sensibilities about this? Because this part is real and this part is make-believe. And that's that's kind of a hard thing to do. But I think movie makers are just kind of showing you, like, you know, regretfully, I have to reference D.W. Griffin, where it's like, you can just do whatever you want. You can throw out. Um, history, you can make up your own heroes out of people that weren't heroes, and you can just do whatever you can, sort of uh, like clay, and you see that sort of tradition, and it does, it's across the board as far as filmmakers, it could be even towards, you know, like a Spike Lee, where you just sort of mold the clay into it, the the romanticism of of film, which comes from D.W. Griffith romanticizing, you know, the birth of the, the Ku Klux Klan. So it's like, this is some of the traditions of it. Now it's okay to take something like you were saying about the Bruce Lee fight. And for you, you're like, no, I can't buy into this. I'm looking to see the real fight. And then it's action. Cause it's like, this means something to you as a fighter for like, they're looking for the audience and saying, we need to add all this extra stuff and do all this stuff. And some of the people are like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> those, but it's at the same time, it goes for you know some of these things it's. I mean, it's it's a tough subject. So to kind of do this sort of thing, it's kind of I don't know. It's just one of those things where I guess I could just say the movie didn't necessarily work for me, but um, and then there's other aspects that pushed me away. And then I see this middle part, the middle hour, and I'm like, well, this is the kind of a movie I could watch. This, but then it kind of goes left, and then of course we we kind of forget. That um, Leonardo DiCaprio was in there in, in the first place. His part, maybe they could even cut out most of his scenes and him be like a, like a walk-on, and then we got a ninety-minute movie. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I got to say about this. Any words from you? Anything else you got for this?
1: Yeah, close. It's 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 remarkably difficult. Well, the director, the, writer, the writer's job to get me to spend this at
2: the end of the day,
1: and when you deal with the characters. If you deal with a character that's iconic, something that is very universally known, uh, you know, say like uh, Superman or or James Bond, and you decide, well, I'm going to make some really big universal changes. Okay, they need to be really good because people already have an expectation of this character where they're not going to have with the with the new with the new character. But that would be hard for even somebody like John Wick at this point because there's been so many films about him. You're going to have certain expectations with a character that has that really solid core. At the end of the day, when it's a historical figure, you know, when it's a historical figure, at the end of the day, it's I. In some cases, it's even harder because you know this is someone who was real, and we would already have like, well, no, this person is not going to do this unless you're just saying, well, hey, I'm going to just like really ham this up. It's going to be like Abraham Lincoln fighting vampires. So then we can say, okay, we can throw out a whole bunch of stuff. Or America the Motion Picture where, you know, don't take any of this seriously, you know, the, along those lines. But go to this particular film, and again, the historical people that he has, that he's touching on in there for the most part, these guys are pretty much in line with what you would find out about them histo- You know, historically at the end of the day. Then, you know, for me to come and look at the Bruce Lee one, especially with all that I know, you know, about Bruce you know, about Bruce Lee and his legacy and his history, and I'm looking at this, one, it's it, it's discordant with everything I know, and then two, just the blatant disrespect of Bruce Willis. Like, no, won't accept it. Can't accept it. What I will say though is that uh, I hope Quentin Tarantino's book is very successful, that it becomes internationally successful, and he does a book signing in China.
0: <laughs> well, they'll give it to him after that, so. That's um our our reaction to <laughs> before you know but from the movie but I'm pretty sure the book is pretty much chapter and verse just adding a little more to the to to the history of this um this fictional
1: hmm? no probably not I mean he made a lot of money <laughs> he had a lot of money on this film it yeah well received so he's like hey you know what's you know, what's a few dollars more right
0: well, we'll with, that, with that said we got one more film left and we're done with this. <laughs> We had done it before. I was like, hey, you know, Hollywood, as of right now, like they let him make, you know, Grindhouse, and you know they somehow went like that's his Howard the Duck. So it's like, but well, he's like at this point where he's like, I'm only gonna do X amount of films, and I'll have all the reels there. It's like now it's like before it's like, hey, other people can't get their films make. I mean, look at um, you know, one of the greatest filmmakers ever, Orson Welles, and up until his passing. He still couldn't get things finished or money for it and this, that, and the other. And people say he's a profligate and all this other stuff. And then you're like, hey, you should only have X amount of films. Not if they'll let you do as many films as you want, but, you know, that's his conceit of being, you know, hey, I'll have that. This will be my shelf of stuff and end of the day. And that'll be <laughs> And that'll be it. So we'll be rid of this guy in a little while. Um, he'll be at home watching his own movies so spinnerack out